You sound glorious. Oh, my ears. Ow! Ow! Butterscotch shenanigans. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 53 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the webmaster maker. I'm Sam, and I make art fangs. And I'm Carol, and I do some other stuff also. And today is June 29th, 2016, and before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show, there will be profanity for sure, and probably a lot of other vulgar and horrible things. So this show should not be listened to by children or anyone else. And we have an extra special episode this week, in that uh, we have a new person Hi. on the episode. Yay. It's Carol! Carol! Hey, Carol! Hey. Hi, everybody! So one of the reasons why we uh, have missed a few weeks, we'll, we'll get into the other reasons. <laughs> there, there's a long that, list of reasons. Is, is that we have been working on expanding our studio and trying to learn how to, you know, grow and, and add new people into the mix. And Carol is our first real, official, legit new person. I'm so, the test who, the test tool, whatever. I don't know. The, the test. So who, who are you, Carol? What's your, what's your story? Introduce yourself to the people. Hi, everybody. I'm Carol. Um, Carol Mertz, if you really want to know my last name. Uh, I have spent the last six years running a design and game studio here in St. Louis called Happy Badger Studio and Rampant Interactive, mm -hmm. and I do all kinds of things. So my, my experience is in game design, game development art but also business stuff and um like just general awesomeness i do a lot of community stuff and all of that so uh i make games on my own including a card game past the buck a game of corporate responsibility management and other such small fun little cathartic video games um and i'm just here to make butterscotch even more awesome than we already are Oh, yeah. yeah. So this past the book thing. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you got to go showcase that thing off. It's something pretty, pretty big. You you are indeed not mistaken, my friend. I just recently uh, was invited by IndieCade to showcase past the book, a game of corporate responsibility management at E3, like two weeks ago now. That was two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it was yeah. amazing to and very weird to show off a card game at the electronic entertainment expo <laughs> but you it didn't know. have a lot of electronics in it but yeah. there was some static between the cards when you pull them out of the still counts box, yeah there were rectangles which, which most electronics have rectangles yeah there's a lot a lot of common points there <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah, actually so carol caught our eye well just continuously over the past couple of years of us being involved in the our uh, eyes got rubbed really raw i yeah. am uh, very i i i rubby <laughs> So every time we saw Carol, it was just like just constant pokes and rubs to the eye. Yeah. Pretty bad. Like but you she might, if you actually basically, see me sometimes, I've just got my fingers in people's eyeballs just yeah. to get their attention. It's real weird. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's a really effective tactic. Yeah, so hard to we, ignore. We know it's, you can't ignore it. And we, Carol has actually sort of, I guess, spearheaded would be the word, the entire growth of the game dev community here. Oh yeah, that's a thing in I St. Louis. 
so we've been involved in the game dev community here uh, for, I guess, four years. And uh, Carol just bursted onto the scene in, what was it, like 2013? Was, you guys came to the Global Game Jam? Was that yes, the, that was the, our first Global Game Jam was 2013. And that was before we before we published our first game. Um, mm-hmm. So we kind of met their studio, at, you know, as we were both getting started. And Carol stepped up and became the uh, the president yeah. of the of the IGDA chapter here and we have a game dev co-op here and, and she's been planning all kinds of events and, and there's multiple events per month that she plans and also uh, has organized a convention here in St. Louis called Pixel Pop Festival which is yep. going into its third year running. So lots of street cred. Pretty I do cool. a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So we're but. things are going to get pretty crazy, especially on our Twitter feed now that we actually have <laughs> a person who knows how to use those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, the best yeah, part like about Twitter. this is, yeah, we uh, Carol came on on Monday last week and we started going through all the boot camp stuff. And I had probably like what I thought was about two weeks worth of content, you know, and you were, for a for a normal <laughs> for person. A normal yeah, you were like you were like be be careful. Like I know that this seems like a lot, so just you know, just, just pace yourself. Just pace, pace yourself. yourself. Be aware that it's going to feel like really overwhelming. So Carol finished it all in about three days, and then I was super, <laughs> and I suddenly became super overwhelmed because. Uh, my but the big part of the reason for getting Carol on board was so that she could take most of my jobs. And then I was sitting there suddenly with no jobs and I was like dick, 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 dick. <laughs> <laughs> And I, you know, still figuring she out how to recover from that. She, that's exactly what you want. You know, that's exactly well, what you want. I, I will say I can't art the way that Sam arts and Sam is a master of the banana arms. In Thank ways you, that I yes. will never accomplish. Nobody no. can match my banana arms. No. So I won't be doing any of the arts. I'll just be taking over Sam's roles, doing like the PR stuff and the social media stuff and all of the all of the fun junk that people don't think about when people make video games. But telling ad necessary. providers we don't want their ad platform. Oh yeah, I've done that yeah. a lot already. Yeah, there's a there's a big <laughs> sort of a, a problem with making game. Well, not a problem, but it's, it is a thing people don't think about, which is you got to have people play it. You know, mm-hmm. which is kind of a hard thing to do. So, yeah, C- Carol's going to be helping with that. And then also once they are <laughs> playing it, they're going to have all kinds of questions and they're going to be like, hey, this whole thing is terrible and broken. And then somebody has to answer those those statements. Or they're going to send so, you a letter, a handwritten letter in the mail and be like, what does B do? Yeah. And have, people, like, <laughs> have people done that? Is that a why, thing that happens to you? Why would you, why would but, you ever... Ask that. Just, well, just, just try pressing it. Just push B, buddy. Yeah. Bees make Gosh. bees make honey, and they buzz around, and sometimes they sting you. That's and right. They that's help right. Pollinate flowers, so they're kind of nice. That's the proper answer. That, that's what bee do. That's what bee do. <laughs> the only important thing, though, is that they make honey. Delicious, delicious honey. Sweet, yeah. Sweet of the oh, and also, also, this episode is super special because we this we've recorded this episode <laughs> twice. Yeah. We we are in a new studio space because Adam is here in St. Louis. Finally, he moved, which is also part of the reason that we you know missed three weeks. And I moved in that time as well. And uh, I've converted, well, pretty much my entire basement into a dedicated uh, studio space. So painted the the walls in butterscotch colors and, you know, cool stuff like that. And it looks fucking uh, cool. 
it's pretty it's, it's pretty, pretty rad yeah. and uh it's it's nearly done so we'll get some we'll get some pictures up sometime soon for people to see it's yeah, gonna follow- look a, a probably bigger than it is but it's, it's actually not that big <laughs> it's pretty spacious instagram for all it's of spacious your- enough for six of us <laughs> butterscotch so. photo updates yeah oh yeah because carol set up an instagram account for yep. us so you know if you're if you do the if you're a great a grammar if you instagram i think it can, I, th- I think it's insta I think, insta. Insta. I think it's insta. 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 If you insta, insta. if you're a, but if you're an old person on Instagram, you're a spinster. Oh, oh my! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So so we tried to record this podcast yesterday. We were all sitting uh, like around a, a coffee table with our laptops, and each and of us actually had coffee. We had we were drinking coffee and we were like yeah we're doing a real coffee with butterscotch thing and then we put it together and then and then first Adam was like oh god I used the wrong microphone yeah, like he set up I used he my set up his laptop mic yeah he set up his nice microphone which is a it's a podcasting special microphone that is it only detects in a very small cone and in it front just of itself sounds so buttery and good sounds I mean it's what he's using right now I hope yep uh, <laughs> totally it's totally what I'm using I swear but uh, but but then for some reason after we started recording it auto switched over to his laptop mic which is an omni mic which picks up the whole room and everything in it at the same volume including like everybody else talking the, the, the sounds of the laptops yeah laptops yeah. click in the coffee maker making beeps well they also so, seem to these these laptop mics seem to just apply a transformation to all salad it records that just makes it sound as bad as possible yeah so, you yeah. sounded like you were in That's, a fish tank it was pretty not great that is a general laptop mic uh, feature yeah, yeah. and feature, so indeed. so that happened and we were like oh adam you you fucked it up ah and then we were like well maybe it's salvageable so we send it over to fat bard who edits our our, our podcast. Thanks, Fat Bard. And Thank and he's you, like, Fat oh, Bard. you guys. He's like, I mean, yeah, Adam fucked it up, but I think the whole thing is terrible because we're all using these USB mics and recording into different computers, but sitting at the same place. And they apparently turns all out, introduce variable lag. Yeah, it turns out that each computer slash microphone combo has a, a slight thing that happens over time where it just sort of starts to lag a little bit but in different ways so by the time the podcast was over we were all just like several seconds off from each other weirdly <laughs> um and adam sounded terrible and and so we were just like we cannot subject especially after a three-week delay we can't put people through this horror yeah the pressure so, was up we couldn't yeah. do it yeah and so honestly didn't. i was glad to have the training wheels <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we put Carol on the spot, and she it was it was her but, first podcast. <laughs> there was a deer in headlights moment. So, <laughs> so it will be the so, hidden secret podcast that no one shall ever hear. We were like, let's yeah. turn that over 53. to fifty-three. Uh, let's turn that over to Carol. Carol, what do you think about that? She's like, don't know. What else has been going on these past couple weeks that stopped us from? Yeah, oh, Sam, Sam with whitewater rafting. Same with whitewater rafting for a week with a bunch of cancer survivors. Yeah, that was crazy cool and weird. Uh, lots of campfire stories, as you might have Yeah, I bet. I bet. And you have People photos like, of you underwater. I do. I have a photo of me getting completely destroyed by a class three rapid, like seven foot wave. You might um, even say you got wrecked. Huh? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> but it was great. It was, it was a super good trip. Um, and I haven't actually taken a... Solo vacation, ever? ever? You know, like where you go to a yeah, place that's... by yourself. 
but with other people. Well, with you, other yeah. you go there by yourself, but once you're there, you're not. Yeah, by yeah, yourself. but like a like yeah. a personal vacation, I guess. Mm. Um, a pivake, a pivake, and <laughs> that was it. Was lovely, honestly. It was super good. Yeah. I would highly recommend it. Um, and even though, you know, even though Crashlands is out and has done well and stuff, um, we've all still just been working a lot, actually, on everything else surrounding the studio and so um yeah it was it was a really good break problem was the day i got back um came down with the fever thing well you were sick before you went too i was sick before i went but felt better on the day the day before so i was like cool i'm gonna go and then was basically fine the whole trip i was coughing a little bit but then the day i got back had this huge fever erupt and then have basically been sick since then and that was all nearly three weeks ago um, well, and it's, you should clarify though, it's a cold basically, but because you have no immune system, it's like a flu in terms of its symptoms. Yeah. So Severity. I've been extremely fatigued. And then, uh, the worst thing ever is that I get some of those goddamn night sweats where basically you sweat out your body weight in water while you're sleeping, which is gross. Yeah. For your and body. then you wake up and you're like, I'm so thirsty. <laughs> Can you get and one of those, uh, like those gerbil bottles where you just lick the tip of it and just put it above your. <laughs> That's a great idea. I can I do like, those. I feel like sleeping under, like on a tarp would be a better strategy. And then, um, and then have the tarp like funnel into a thing that can then recycle, recycle the, water the water back into your mouth. Mm. You could also just sleep on your back, sleep on your back with your mouth open under a leak in your roof. Ooh, that would work too. Mm. Yeah, just have it, just have it drip right it would in only there. And it's fresh. It was raining it's though. It's fresh rainwater. Yeah. You, know, you can't beat it. <laughs> you can't beat it for purity and minerals. But the and other, yeah. The and basic mind. problem here is that the, uh, the night sweats were the thing that started when I got my first uh, diagnosis originally. So basically, not only have I been sick as sick as a dog for the past couple of weeks, but I've also just been slowly freaking out. What would you call it? A, you know, a slow freak. A, it's a creep freak. A creep creeping, freak. creeping in. Yeah. Creep, so the insidious think, freak. Yeah. So I think yesterday in the middle of the day at like noon, I just disappeared into Seth's back room and I ended up sleeping for like three hours. And got back and we up. We're all like, "Yeah, that seems reasonable." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got four hours of work done. Although and I have to say, there was a like because of the fact that now there's there's uh, four of us, and and soon there's actually going to be two more. Uh, there was this kind of hilarious moment where Sam emerged from <laughs> emerged from the bedroom <laughs> after like a hour and a half nap or something, and it was like a Rip Van Winkle situation where. <laughs> He had he had disappeared for just a short moment, or it seemed like a short moment, and he came out, and Adam was like, Sam, come here, I have to show you this thing and get your opinion on a thing. And I'm like, by the way, Sam, I created this new system that we can use in the next game. Check this out. And Carol's like, Sam, I'm working on the website update. Come check out this new template and give me your thoughts on it. And Sam was just like, oh, Everything is what? different. How long have I been sleeping? <laughs> It's pretty cool that when you have enough people in a studio that things actually continue to get done, even if someone gets, even if one person gets messed up. Yeah, and when you're all in the same room, you can then just go, look at all those things. Oh, it's so nice. And you go, and then you can nod and go, hmm. Mm. I approve Mm. in my infinite wisdom. Um, and then, so also over the past couple of weeks, we we put Crashlands on on us on sale for twenty percent for the first time, and that on Steam specifically on Steam, yep. yeah. Um, we're still working on doing some updates for the mobile version to make it more stable before we put it on sale. Um, but there will be one of those coming soon. Which we I wish we would have also done that for the 
Steam version because uh, so <laughs> yeah. so an interesting thing happened, which is we hadn't been really been getting any bug reports or anything from the PC version, and we put it on sale, and all of a sudden we have a huge influx of players who are all having the same problem, and bum, bum, somehow bum. nobody told us about before, and and they're all in non English speaking countries. And we're like, oh, uh, what? And so we discovered that there's a, a bug where if you have any non-ASCII, how the ASCII. fuck ASCII. do you pronounce it? Non-ASCII. It's like a key. Non-ASCII. Non-ASCII. Non-ASCII characters in their Windows username or default Windows uh, file path. So like I think in Sweden, the file path to save the game just defaults to like C colon slash user. User. But, but with an, like an umlaut or something over the, over the U. Ulsa. So if there were... If if there were any non-ASCII characters in that file path, the game would just be like, fuck you, and just crash. Um, and we just didn't have that huge of an influx of uh, of players from these countries until we put it on sale because of things like exchange rates and difference in, uh, you know, uh, general, you know, uh, incomes and stuff in these different countries. So people tend to wait for sales in these places before they, they buy games at low price. So, uh, so we had this big influx of, of non-English speaking players who all had bugs. And then we, we spent a few days just wrangling emails and trying to decipher what was even the problem. Uh, we got it fixed. We have a, a build up in there to, to fix that, but man, that was, so we want to make sure we don't put it on sale on mobile before <laughs> we run into this problem again. Yeah. yeah. Cause you'll have a scale issue about three, three to five X whatever the number of people is yeah, on Steam yeah. on there. So so that would be even even more, more bad. Um yeah. And uh, let's see what else what else happened. Adam Lost oh wait, we went with Indie Popcon. Oh we yeah. To, Jesus. We did a convention. Oh, yeah. happened. Uh and th- so that is a big convention. Well it's I guess people would think of it as a mid-sized convention, but to us it's a it's a big a big one. It's in Indianapolis. And we went there and showed Crashlands and talked to a lot of people and uh had a pretty had a pretty good time. Do we wanna do we wanna talk about that a bit or what do you think? Yeah. Uh, sure, let's, let's just do it. Yeah. Sam so, and I both yeah. missed out on it. So yeah. and, and we burned all of our questions in the last podcast attempt. So we gotta <laughs> we gotta just fill this time so here. So we can just we we're just gonna fill time with nonsense. So buckle up, people. <laughs> Woo! Um yeah, so this was our second time at Indie PopCon. We last year we went and Crashlands wasn't finished. And we we used the opportunity last year as a means of sort of playtesting the game and also developing the tutorial by watching people play the game. And then there on the expo floor, I was coding up new parts of the tutorial and then deploying that to our test machines. Uh, so we we came into that weekend last year with no tutorial and we left with a tutorial and it worked super great. And actually, most of those tutorial elements are still there in the in the game now. Uh, this time around, we didn't know what to do. Like we went in and we had no idea of what we were supposed to be doing. Yeah, I think um, it's because, I mean, the game's already out, right? The game's been out for six months. Yeah. Like, well, and you didn't we, have uh, me around to talk about convention strategy. Yep. Carol yep. hadn't started yet. And we were all in the middle of moving and being sick. And Sam not, I mean, Sam was gone at the time. Or no, Sam was sick no, at the time. No, I was feverish. Well, so Sa- I was like, Sam was. Go. I lost my voice the day before we left. Uh, completely. Seth and I were both in the middle of moving. And then we were like, oh, no, we're going to go do a convention <laughs> for some reason. And we, we didn't really have an idea of why we were doing it. So we didn't have time to plan it out very well. Yeah. And we, we recycled a lot of our uh, of our stuff from the year before in terms of just ideas of setup and how to how to think about it. But it was just not the correct thing to do because it was a different circumstance, you know. 
so it didn't, I think it was, it was fun and interesting, but we didn't get to utilize the, the situation to its, its fullest potential for sure. No, um, but we're left with one key realization, which could be useful to other devs out there, which is that you should treat a booth uh, as just another entertainment product that you mm-hmm. make. Yeah. And we yeah. didn't do that. We done fucked it. So we did it. We did it real bad. <laughs> yeah. Learn from our mistakes. Yeah. Don't yeah. go to a, don't go to a convention with no plan or no reason. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, just being just being there isn't good enough. There's like dozens of booths that all look the same and they all have TVs on them and they're all meant to yep. be fun. Right. And so how do you make your fun thing seem even more fun than all of the other fun things? Yeah. I mean, Donuts. you just have to think through it. So. <laughs> yep. Yep, gotta have a plan. It's like being at a carnival. Plan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do I want to go be. have my weight guest, which doesn't sound that fun, actually? Or do I want to go hit a <laughs> giant thing with a hammer and see how many gains I have left to Dude, gain? wait. I need to tell a story now. So <laughs> okay. So I can do this. And I think Seth can do it, too. This thing where you can stick out your belly really far. Oh, oh, I yeah, can do that yeah. too. Do the old pregnant belly. You can do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Old, so you look like a like a pregnant person who's like yep. six, eight months pregnant. I guess I'm the only one here who cannot <laughs> do this. I can't do it. Adam I'm doing it right pound. now. In fact, <laughs> I'm doing it right it's now part too. Of, it's part of the, just the morning routine. Yeah. So when I was, I think I was 14, we had this. We had this place called Adventureland in Iowa, which was come on over to Adventureland. You're, You're gonna, gonna have, have a fulfilled day. day. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Adventureland was like the only theme park we had in the state, basically, and it, it actually is. wasn't too bad. Um, had, it's a, awesome. had a bunch of roller coasters, a bunch of cool rides. So. Well, wait, but have you been there since your childhood? Uh, well, no. That's the <laughs> mark of an actually good events <laughs> well, thing. I mean, it's it's one of the things, you know, you revisit it as an adult, and then maybe it wasn't as good as you remember. Everything yeah. is so small. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so I went there with some friends, and they had the weight-guessing guy. One of them was there. <laughs> And if you won, like if he if he was off by, I think it's only like five or ten pounds, right? I think it's five pounds. Yeah. They have to be really accurate. So if he's off by five pounds, then you get to pick like one of these fucking huge fluffy you know creatures to take home. Mm-hmm. And so one of my buddies was like, Sam, why don't you just put your pregnant belly on and go, <laughs> you know, like have him inspect you. <laughs> Have him inspect you with that thing, and we'll just. And then afterwards, you'll suck your belly and be like, "Yeah, that was that was exactly the plan." And so I was I was feeling a little, you know, slippery. So I was like, "Okay, let's do this." Um, And so as we approach, I stick out my belly, and it's like it's actually hard to hold out for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you're filling your hair. Yeah. You're sweating. And, Are you like shooting sweat? Yeah, I'm like, like, oh, yeah, oh. like distending my belly. Um, <laughs> and you're probably talking real weird as if you like have clenched all of your muscles or something. Oh, I think I put on a southern, I may have put on a slight hillbilly-ish accent as well. You were how old? 14. <laughs> okay. How good was your hillbilly accent? Probably terrible. So, but I go, but I go up and uh, like really make, you know, exaggerated sort of, uh, I, how would you say, waddling up to the, <laughs> to the guy. <laughs> And you pay him my buck or two bucks or whatever for him to guess. And he looks at me and then he like, I can see him look down. He looks at my gut for like a good moment, you know. (laughs) He lingers. But he looks, he lingers there, but he looks at the rest of me. And then he just guessed my weight on the dot. (laughs) Oh my God. And I was like, I was like, what the fuck? It's like you gotta think though. This guy's he's, he's probably seen, seen he's seen it all. I'm sure Shit. he's seen it all. He has seen. But I figured, uh, 
<laughs> I just figured, like, I thought the plan seemed completely perfect and that nobody would be able to, you know, how would you guess? How would you guess beyond that? But this man Just think about being this, this person, though, for a moment, where... It, over time, after guessing people's weight just all day, every day, and then actually seeing the results, you would develop such an accurate mental model of how much a person weighs just by glancing at them. Mm-hmm. It, it's crazy. Yeah. You, could, yeah. you couldn't fool this guy. No way. I feel like I could really screw with these people today with my age because... I, you know, like I go to stuff like E3 or like, you know, I, I go to, I used to go to client meetings whenever I worked for my other studio and nobody would believe that I was old enough to be doing whatever I was doing. Like, and even when I used to work, I used to work retail at the Apple store. People literally told me I looked 12. I'm like, give me the benefit of like puberty here. But like, it's, it's at least happened. puberty, 14 at least. Yeah. Ever since basically I've hit, well, I mean, like I've always looked way young, but like now, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pushing like, you know early middle age at this point <laughs> and like i feel like there's so I many people you who think that i'm a number there <laughs> barely old enough to drink and i'm like maybe i should take advantage of this with some carnies is that an okay word to say uh, <laughs> yeah it's people who work at the carnival carnival, right? carnival people know, carnival folk maybe i should can we we're gonna get we're gonna Car- get an angry carnival letter. Staff. Carnival staff. Carnival people. As, as long as you recognize that you don't understand whether it's bad or not, and that you would err on the side of goodness if you knew. I would I think indeed okay. err on the side of goodness. I would like to <laughs> rescind all, my comment and change we're that all, to uh, carnival workers. There you go. We're all fallible human beings, we and are. we don't have full information about the world. And sometimes we fuck up. That's it's right. True. We're, just, we're trying Facts. to be good. We're trying it's to be true. good people. We but would that like guy, to not be offensive. That guy who estimates weight, though, he never fucks up. He's not fallible. Man, he's he fallible. is basically the pope <laughs> of weight. <laughs> that guy, weight pope. Uh, all right. So otherwise, do we want to hit some questions, you guys, or or do we want to hit some of my questions? I think <laughs> we, let's hit a few assess questions. Definitely. Questions. So, so it's Sorry. it's question time. It's, it's question time. All right, so because we fucked it up real bad uh, and <laughs> lost the la- lost the last podcast, we answered like uh, well, how many questions did we answer? Probably like ten. Probably it's it's looking more like like three hundred, like three hundred questions. We answered we basically we, four thousand questions. Every question even, that could ever we even be asked. Somehow, yeah, yeah, and we even somehow recovered all the deleted questions mm-hmm. and answered those. And mm-hmm. any future question that may be asked any time in the we next also several it. decades. We but then, but then we messed that. up the audio, so it's it's ruined. So uh, we'll so I'm going to supplement those. some of today's questions with some questions of my own. My Deep first question is from Seth Coster. My first question is. What is the formula for turning a dessert into a breakfast food? There okay. isn't okay, one. You so, just eat it for okay, breakfast. Okay, so bear with me here. Okay. <laughs> Pan- pancakes are cake. We just take the frosting off of them, and now they're a breakfast food, but then we, we put sugar back on them in the form of syrup and whipped cream and everything else. Okay. okay, okay. So pancakes are a dessert for real, but we just eat them at breakfast as a meal. Hmm. Waffles are just also cake batter, but we just burn them differently to give them a different shape. And then we put sugar on top of them. Hmm. And then we put sugar on that sugar mm-hmm. to make sure that that's good. Hmm. Uh, yogurt is considered a breakfast food, but that's basically just a bucket of sugar. Okay. Well, okay. it depends on your yogurt. yogurt. It's not supposed to be, but if you're in America, probably. 
Yes. Yogurt, yogurt, uh, anything other than plain yogurt has buckets of sugar in it. Fact. Uh, That's fair. Or, or you'll be like, I'm gonna have a parfait, like yogurt, throw some honey in there. Boom, there's some this sugar. This is probably throw some in there. just American okay. breakfast, right? Okay. Yeah. Does anybody else do sure, this? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Isn't it like is, is bangers and mash? Is that a, a meal or is that a breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a band. Uh, and a what is band? any part of it? <laughs> okay. Like, so wait, I got so I got two more. We got muffins. <laughs> Muffins are cupcakes where the frosting has been removed, but they're still just like a cake bread. Uh, so it's better than pancakes, right? Because we're not, you don't, you don't like dunk a muffin in syrup or something. You right. just eat that. So that's better, but not great. But then somehow donuts just slipped through the radar. <laughs> Right. They just just landed they're on just our plates. Up breakfast food. Like they're just they're just like a sugar bomb, and we're just like, yeah, you know what? We're not even gonna pretend with donuts. We're just gonna go. So for your it. question is, if I wanted to say, if you wanted to eat like a like a chocolate mousse for breakfast, what would you have to do to it to convert it into being an acceptable breakfast? It seems food? Put it on like top of what cocoa the strategy puffs. is. Yeah. Cocoa puffs. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think or it, cookie crisp. It seems like what the strategy is is that you take. You take some element of it out of the original uh, process. Of the For dessert. Example, mm-hmm. you, you take some of the sweetness out of the dessert, and then you just put it on top of it. Because then, you like, then you're like, yeah. it's healthy. And now I'm going to put I'm just going to add some flavor. <laughs> yeah. That's so true, because actually even donuts are basically boring things until you get all the glaze out. Until them. you dip them in lard and deep fry. Well, they're yeah. basically bagels well, cake that donuts. have been dipped in lard. Yeah, I mean, what's a yeah. cake donut? A cake donut is not, I mean, like, that's not glazed. It's just, I mean, it doesn't have to be. It's just cake oh. in the shape of a donut that's deep fried. That's probably just cake. Or baked. That it's deep fried cake. Amazing. It is. It's good. Yeah, yeah it does. I mean, <laughs> sounds like something I want for breakfast. Yeah. I, let's let's go for it. My my mm. argument here, I'm sorry, did I, did we, Sam, were you still explaining your formula? No, you're good. Okay, that was, you're that's good. my thought. Yeah. <laughs> my argument here is fuck it. Eat any dessert you want for breakfast. Yep. Who cares? That's Done. how I grow. That's like literally how I was raised. We would eat like strudel and cake and whatever for breakfast <laughs> because it's just like there. The way oh, I was yeah. talking and about fucking pop tarts. Pie. How do you, wait, wait, pie for breakfast. Though. Right. Yeah. Toaster strudel, I feel like, is one of the best examples of this, right? Because you toast the thing separate. You're like, okay, this is healthy. You know, it's like a it's a nice carb thing to get me through the day. <laughs> but and then, is inaccurate. I'm very inaccurate, but you know, you get the idea. And then and then afterward, after you toast it, then you take a sugar packet and you just dump <laughs> sugar all over it. Hell right? Yeah. And you see what I'm saying? Like I feel like that's the that's the formula for breakfast food. Well, yeah. Sugar so if packets? you want to get something, if you want to get something into the general societal psyche as being a breakfast food, I think that's how you do it. So take something off and then throw a bunch of sugar on. Take top. the sweetness off, but but add it back in in packet form yeah, or like, in a bottle mm-hmm. that you can then put back onto it at your discretion after, afterwards. At your discretion. At your yeah. breakfasty discretion. So like nobody Cheetos. eats pancakes by themselves. So what about if I wanted to turn Cheetos into a breakfast food? So you would have you would have uh, like a corn puff. It would be like yeah, corn corn puffy puffed corns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be the name. Which those of it. kind of exist as cereal. Yes, and then it optionally it would come with a with a salty cheese mix. of salty cheese dust that you could <laughs> you could then just sprinkle on there or dip them in or, or whatever. That sounds Where do they way sell too buckets savory. of salty cheese dust. Yeah, I, I feel like though. Yeah, it would need to be sugar cheese dust Sugary to cheese make dust. it a breakfast food. That's true. It's like kettle would, corn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. Like exactly. cheesy kettle corn. Yeah, like cheesy kettle corn. 
Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I just had to get that off my chest. Thanks. Thanks, you guys, for it's helping all good. me out. It's all good. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. So my final question is: So I have a dog. Okay. And I I know a lot of people <laughs> with with kids with young kids like you know under the age of two and uh, I I'm a believer that having a young a very young kid is kind of similar to having a, a dog in the sense that you know you have to sort of tailor your life around this third being and keep them alive and they can't really take care of themselves and they're always getting into mischief and they can't talk they can't talk and that they still need your attention all the time etc. But sometimes, you know, if you say this to somebody who has kids, sometimes they'll be well offended. You know that you're equating comparing their child to you're, a, you're, com- a you're comparing, <laughs> uh, which there are worse things to be compared to. Let's be real. But yeah, I mean, uh, ch- tiny children aren't even people. You know. But I guess I'm wondering what you know what you guys' opinion on this controversial topic is, and also if if having a dog is that different than having a kid, why do I see children on leashes? <laughs> Why is that a thing? That's a good question. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I mean, I think people get overly wrought about metaphors a lot, Mm -hmm. right? Because if I said, hey, having a kid is kind of like having a dog. I'm not saying your child is a a beast. (laughs) Yeah. That shits on the floor. That's not what I'm saying. But actually, you know, children do that. (laughs) I mean, they do do that. But the point is that. They do do that. Actually, but, it's worse. They shit on themselves. Yeah, for right. years. That's <laughs> true. But my point is that, like, I think in the case of metaphor, people oftentimes don't. They don't give much. Uh, they don't give much benefit to the person who's trying to explain a thing when it comes to whatever metaphor they choose. Right? If you said to me, "Hey, Sam, you kind of look like a dog today," would I be confused about that particular metaphor choice? Yes. But I wouldn't assume you that don't have to go straight to the most negative interpretation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I'd be like, no, no, no. It's because your your beard is so sleek and soft looking. Like yeah, or it's pelt. because you're currently licking your own balls. <laughs> yeah. It's because, <laughs> <laughs> because you're literally covered in hair from head to toe. You're not wearing anything, and you're <laughs> shitting on the floor. Yeah. yeah. So my point nothing is nothing negative. Yeah. It's just an observation. Yeah. <laughs> So I think people tend to get a little uh, weird about metaphors just in general. There are certainly ones that you don't want. You know, there, there are ones that if you get compared to, you know, like any dictators of any sorts from from back in the day, generally bad. No one's going to be like, oh, yeah, you're strong like Mussolini. You know, that's not a thing. That's not a thing you ever want to hear. Or, oh, yeah, um, you made the trains run on time like Mussolini. <laughs> Yes. Or if people are like, wow, your painting style reminds me a lot of Hitler. <laughs> right. Yep. Exactly. Which actually, I mean, weirdly, though, even like that one's. He was a good painter. He's apparently a good painter. It's like, but, but you don't want. There's but too you much. Don't want, you don't want that. <laughs> yeah. There's too much connotation going on for that to be a good choice. But I yeah. think. So, so while I think people generally get a little overwrought about uh, metaphors because they tend to. I feel like I feel like we slowly lose the ability to. But what's take... the bad part about comparing a kid to a dog? I don't know. Here, yeah. from from my perspective, I think your kid is way more likely to turn into a jerk in ten years than your dog is. Yeah, mm. <laughs> it's true. That's, pro- that's probably true. Well, and and you know, a lot like you have you have bad dog owners who then have aggressive, angry, shitty dogs. And you can also have bad parents who uh, who create not so great human beings. Wait, parents or child owners? That's interesting. Child, child owners. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on how they approach it. Yeah, you know the level of compassion that you exude. Yeah, during yeah. Your, yeah. During your child care. 
If you make yeah. them mow the lawn, does do they switch from being your child to you being a child owner? You know child. what I'm saying? I think child. so. I yeah, know. maybe. I mowed I mowed the lawn as a child. I, yeah, we all mowed the lawn. <laughs> we mowed so many lawns. <laughs> It was lawn fest, early <laughs> er, early two thousands, late nineties. Yeah. All right. So, let's move uh, on to uh, player questions, real questions that we Actual did not answer questions. yesterday. It's question time again. Oh That's yeah. Right. Oh, oh yeah. All right. First question comes from no Pixel. wait Sam. What? Wait, you always what? fuck it up. First, what? everybody, these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. You can go there to ask questions and maybe we'll answer them. Thanks, Adam. Good job. Yay. Sure Back thing, to bro. you, Sam. Good job, buddy guy. Okay, so uh, first question comes from Pixel and Bracket, who asks, is it all day, air day about making games, or do you mix in personal projects from time to time to break it up? Ooh, Ooh. this is a good one. Ooh. Then answer it. Okay, uh, <laughs> so for me, a personal project is game making basically um so even if i did mix in a personal project which i generally don't all day air day still would be about making games so so for me deal with it personal projects is game making but game making of a non-butterscotchy variety so i um i am all about like art games and alt games on my own so i do like little little micro games or whatever to just like express myself because it's my game making is my form of artistic expression um and it doesn't necessarily line up with butterscotchy butterscotchy stylings which is totally cool um so yeah, personal projects are important to me. So when I get home, I can express myself. And when I go to work, I can help make butterscotch games the best they can be. Yeah. Although yeah. lately, Carol's Carol's personal time has been occupied by sleeping. Sleeping <laughs> sleeping, and reading the massive book list that you gave me. We've been, we've been running, running Carol through the ringer. Yeah, I went to bed at 7 o'clock the other night. <laughs> <laughs> the sun was yeah. high in the sky, and I'm like, I'm just going to... Just going to take a little nap. I'm so tired. 5.30 in the morning, <laughs> I, will, I wake up. I will up. say, though, that something interesting happened for me personally um, and with regard to personal projects, which is uh, when I was working at former studio, former studio prior to Butterscotch, mm-hmm. former studio. Um, I felt an overwhelming need to constantly be making personal projects. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even in kind of the early days of, of Butterscotch stuff, as we were still kind of finding our voice and trying to figure out who we were and what we were making and all that stuff. Um, I was just jamming on prototypes and game ideas all the time. But for some reason, as the, as the Mm -hmm. years have gone by of working on this stuff, my propensity to work on non butterscotch things has basically gone down to zero. Yeah. I don't quite know why. Hmm. If you guys have any. Yeah, I think, well for me personally, cause, um, cause writing, writing has usually been a good outlet for me as far as, uh, if I just want to go and feel like I can create something really quick, um, I actually tend to default to writing, even though I do all the art for Butterscotch. Uh, I, I've written for a lot longer than I've done art, so mm. it's a bit Like your book, Metaphorgasm, which is available so on Amazon. I bought it. I purchased it. Someone that was me. My... That was me. I bought it. So, <laughs> no, no, no. Someone else, I was on that kayaking trip, and someone's like, has anyone ever written any poetry? And I was like, no, I'm not going to say anything. And then they're like, Sam, you seem like you would write poetry. And I was like, Ugh! and so I, I was like, I did once. You had to tell the truth. And then, yeah, I can't lie. And then so and I get home and I get an email from Amazon. They're like, one of your books has been purchased. And I was like, no, <laughs> it happened again. 
Anyways. I like that you don't want people to buy it, but you still leave it available for sale. Yeah. I don't know how to turn it off anymore. Like I, it's a little bit, I think I put it up with like a different account. I don't even know. Where, where is this? Whatever. How is this happening? Anyways, my point is, uh, yeah, I used to, when I just want to go and sort of quickly get that, you know, that high from creating stuff, then I used to write quite a bit. Um, and the thing is, it ended up being, it would actually be a lot of the same stuff that we do now as a game studio. So, you know, making up stories about things, whatever else. But I think it's once you have, once you're doing work for for an entity that has a vision that you really, really believe in, and also that you that you find is sort of calibrated to the sort of work that you want to do, the creative work you want to do, um, doing, just doing your own personal projects, at least in the case for me, uh, actually weirdly started being less fulfilling than hmm. say like now, if I want to go write, then I'll write a lore story for butterscotch. Right. Cause I know hmm. I'll be able to share it with people. I know it'll actually have more. Well, there's a built in audience for it. So people will be excited about the yeah, thing you made. Yeah. So there's, there's more heft at the end of the day, uh, for those things. Um, and it's not to say that like, there's, there's a few other things that I, I do want to do, but I haven't, it's the same thing. I think as, as Seth has mentioned where the, the motivation to do those things that are not really uh, studio related, not quite as studio related, even like the that cancer book that I want to write, um, it's still harder to put the time toward something like that, in my opinion, even though, or for I me would, personally. I would say it may be harder, but it's not, I can't, I can't imagine how it would be less fulfilling necessarily. It would just be less directed because you have so much yeah, vision exactly. through butterscotch. So like yeah. for me, like I am, I'm a very naturally expressive, emotional, creative person, and I can never imagine not doing personal projects. Like I've done, I've done a web comic. I sing songs. I've drawn typography and lettering. And like, I'm constantly, I'm constantly coming up with new ways that excite me and interest me and how I can express myself and how I can kind of mm -hmm. communicate things through creative media. And so like the idea that um, one single entity and one single vision could encapsulate that to me seems really limiting. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand where you're where you're getting at. I would just argue that that's it can't be the end all be all for everybody. No, I totally agree. I, and I think uh, but I think the, the point you made is probably the, the best one, though, which is just that the first sentence, basically, which is that having having that goal and that vision that's so strong already mm -hmm. means that it's a it's an easier thing to default into, basically. Right. When yeah. You want to go do some. Creative it's, it's a path of least resistance. Well, yeah. No, but I think. Yeah. I don't know. This is, to me, this is getting kind of weirdly negative because it's also it, it depends on the kind of thing. As as Carol noted, there's a thousand other kinds of things she likes to do. Right? Uh, mm -hmm. We don't do those in the context of butterscotch. So wait, it, you don't play ukulele songs? <laughs> I, but, and I well, mean, you I absolutely could. Uh, but I mean, like that's not part of what what we do in the studio, right? So, like, right. of course, you can go home and still express yourself in the in exactly those other ways where you're not being fulfilled. At butterscotch, and and for you, since you you're, the preferred kind of games that you make are, are art games and that sort of thing, which we also don't do in the studio. Then yeah, of course you're, you can go home gonna, and, yeah, and, and make those do kinds those of things. things. I think the point that Seth was making was that the kinds of games that he likes to make are butterscotch games, right? Mm, uh, yeah. And the kinds of and that that is the hobby he had and like the thing that he likes to spend his time doing, and that's what we do in butterscotch. So now when he goes home, uh, if he wants to make a game, then all of a sudden he doesn't have all of the awesome tools at his disposal via Sam's art or via web stuff or whatever. Yeah, that that's he normally totally fair. So now, yeah, so now all of a sudden, like all of his power to make the awesome stuff in his mind is limited. But when he goes to work, 
there is no limit, right? Well, yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's. I think it for me, it just became more of a. It's exactly that where it became more of a matter of I over the years got accustomed to having the having access to these powerful people who could help make my ideas into a reality. Yeah, and then absolutely. It, when I when I go home. I'm like, oh, I want to make this thing. Then I'm like, but I, but I, I can need do to. only one part of it. <laughs> but yeah. I can't do it. You know, like, so my, my I guess my, uh, what's it like? My eyes got bigger than my mouth kind of a <laughs> thing. Stomach. Yeah. Stomach. Um, yeah. So I, like I go home and I want to do a personal project, but then I just always bite off more than I can chew and I just can't execute it. The and I like, way, then I, yeah. but then I come in the next day and I'm like, guys, I have this thing I'm excited about. We can't do it though. Cause we're busy with a bunch of other shit, but right. I'm, I'm excited about it nonetheless. Right. <laughs> so maybe someday, you know, Yeah. but, uh, and I th- yeah, I don't know. And it's I think, yeah, I mean, Sam, I think it's the same thing, right? It's, it's, uh, if, if writing is a thing that you enjoy, uh, it depends on why you enjoy it, right? If, if you purely enjoy it just to express yourself, then you could write about anything at any time. And that, and that would be something that wouldn't necessarily get subsumed into work. Yep. But if you primarily enjoy writing to entertain other people. Yeah. I'm an audience oriented person. Yeah. Then, so. then it's not that it's not that like your writing is being subsumed by butterscotch. It's that that's actually the best place for you to express yourself. Right? Totally. So, uh, so yeah, it's, but it's still thing yet. I, I mean, I, I would agree that it's, it can be a little, it can be easy to have the stuff that you like your old ways of doing things or the things you prefer actually truly get subsumed by, uh, by some powerful vision, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think actually it's, that's not such a big worry. And I think if you're a person who really does enjoy doing all kinds of stuff, I just don't think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No, well, it's interesting because I, I – go ahead. No, I was just going to say I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think yeah. if you're drawn to if you're drawn to a variety of creative media and if you're drawn to a variety of expressions, then you're never going to stop doing that. And if you do, then you're going to feel it. Yeah, it's all yeah. about whether or not uh, when you go to work, you're, the things that you care about doing are being fulfilled. Because yeah. if they aren't, then you're going to go home and fulfill those, right? Or the, the ones that haven't been fulfilled yet if they are being fulfilled at work then you don't need to go do that at home right totally and and so, so it all depends it just depends on how those things line up yeah it's a i mean it's an interesting thing though because you have uh, i think everybody has to when you get in a situation where your work is actually fulfilling you know in and of itself mm-hmm. and not necessarily in a way where it plays into uh, like Carol, in your case, it's not going to be fulfilling in a lot of the, the creative ways that you also tend to express yourself, right? Um, right. But if you go into work and you have a fulfilling job or whatever else, there is an interesting sort of, uh, there's an interesting task that gets put on your plate, which is deciding essentially where those, where these different lines are for for where you put time in at mm-hmm. work or at home or whatever else. Um, and I've always thought, like we've actually, Adam, Seth and I have had this conversation internally a few times about you know where that where that line is where it could be where it should be um and at the end of the day i think it's, it's really just up to everybody to decide personally like i when i get like personally for me now when i get home from work every day um i'm the last few weeks especially because i've been sick but in the last few weeks i've been i'm like i need to find another hobby to do now mm-hmm. at home because i literally come home and i'm like so jazzed up or excited about whatever we did from work that I don't necessarily, but I, I feel so fulfilled by it that I don't necessarily feel like working anymore, which right. is weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I get home at four and then I'm like, what the fuck do I do for the next six hours of my life? Because everything's kind of good. Everything's Just good go find yeah. some logs and you make could, them into coasters. Yeah, you yeah. could knit also. You could knit. Do you knit? Fun. I used you to could knit. watch The Bachelor. I have I have knitted. I have, is it Nat? I have it's, Nat. It's I have definitely Nat. Nat. Yeah. Nate. I have Nat also. Did you nat? It's like shit. It's like shit. I have nat a hat. (laughs) I nat a hat also. Nice. Mine was sounds uh, like a kid's book being written. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have not a hat. Have you not a hat? I have not a hat. I too have not hats. It was a it was a bad hat. New children's book hashtag I not a hat. <laughs> well, I think this leads into the next question uh, really well, which is from Oladikus, who asks, "What's your favorite games that you made by yourself?" And he just want to put in he likes Crashlands and Quadrupus Rampage the most. Does he mean by yourself as in the studio or like as an individual human? I think you can take it however you like. <laughs> That's what I think. I've mm. made no games by myself as an individual human. Interesting. Except greater Interesting. Calculator. I don't know why. Greater calculator. <laughs> greater calculator so- is the only and therefore a favorite game that I made by myself. It's such a game. <laughs> also, that is- it's not a game. Yeah, it's not wow. a game. <laughs> I mean, artistic intent, right? If you think it's a game as the creator, no, never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Even if no one else agrees, yeah. it's a game so, because it's in digital media and you. Even if it's it. a brick, then it's a game. <laughs> so yeah. for me, like I've made, I've made a lot of games by myself actually, and favorite, favorite is difficult because it's kind of like my babies, my dog babies, and it's hard to kind of determine, <laughs> you know, what what was you know my favorite for whatever given reason like they each mean something a lot to me but like my two favorites are probably I have a little expressive micro game that I made for the global game jam this past year called I want you that's up on my itch um I think it's carolmertz.itch.io if you're interested that's a pretty um, good and guess. it's just so I feel like yeah. saying it's on my itch is just that's an uncomfortable way to market <laughs> it's, yourself it's on my itch why don't you um, go, just get on my itch scratch my itch for me just scratch <laughs> on my itch and check out my micro game <laughs> um but yeah that one was like that one i needed to make it because it was again my my form of artistic expression and it meant a lot to me as i was making it and i did it by myself but incorporating other people into the process for audio and stuff and then for you know this this card game that i made was such a like a long intensive very um personal process like i took it from start to finish and it's like it's a very like accomplished feeling sort of thing and it's a lot of fun to play even still and i get to play it with friends a lot so between those you, two i think those are my two favorites right now so far yeah, I mean, you ran a you ran a successful kickstarter and yeah. got got the games built in china and shipped over somehow yep manufactured freighted yeah shipped. and then demoed at e3 and then demoed at e3 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it could have gone worse probably pretty it could have gone way worse yeah <laughs> Seth, about you. Uh, oh, also, we should fa- say, just while we're on the topic, yeah. that you can find Pass the Book, Game of Corporate ah. Responsibility Management, on Amazon.com. It is available now. It's uh, Amazon, it Amazon.com and Miniature Market. And if you're in St. Louis, um, it, it, it's at, oh my God, why can't I think of the name? There's a comic shop in Maplewood that has it, too. So yeah. Just go to Maplewood, start ra- roaming around yeah. to random Until you find it. shops. Yep. It'll be there. And just hope it hasn't been sold out already at that particular shop in Maplewood. Yeah, because it has sold out once. Consider it a quest. Mm. Yeah. A quest for corporate responsibility management. Yeah. <laughs> so my favorite game that I have made by myself is is the first game I ever made, which is called Sky Brawler. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite game because it's such a perfect demonstration of the <laughs> sort of naivete, which is an awesome word, uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that comes with being a fledgling game developer. Um, I did a I did a Kickstarter for it around the time that Aww. Kickstarter was first a thing, like within the first six months probably of Kickstarter existing. So I was one of the only games on Kickstarter. You're such a Kickstarter. 
hipster. I was a kick stipster. And uh, I raised a little bit of money, basically enough money to to subsist through a summer. I was in law school at the time and I was like, here's the deal. If I can succeed in this Kickstarter, then I will not look for a law internship this summer. And instead, I will just work on this game all day, every day. And the Kickstarter succeeded, and that's what I did. Uh, but the game was just so unbelievable. It was mechanically, it didn't make any sense. It was a, it was like an action. It was an action platformer where you were a a, a character that had rocket had rocks. It, the character was awesome, yeah. and I still want to incorporate this character into a butterscotch game at some point. Ooh, the character could had be in class in this next game. It could be, uh, and it was a guy who had a uh, like rocket boots and rocket gloves. And then some kind of like a power suit that kept the impact of smashing into shit all the time with rockets from killing him. Um, and it was sort of a, a super fast flying action platformer. The problem is when you're moving that fast in a platformer, you need like a really zoomed out field of view so you can actually see <laughs> where you're going. going. And I didn't have that. <laughs> and so it was more like a blind platformer. Like you just oh kind of smashed into shit. Um, it had a really limiting energy system. It had, uh, it was supposed to have like 130 levels with like full on characters and RPG and like ability trees and talent trees. And I mean, you, you guys know, just like, you got pretty far into it though. That summer, like here's real the thing. Far. I got, I got about 12 levels in and I wow. had, uh, four different biomes made. I had, uh, I think three or I had about an hour of story content, but then when I actually scoped it out afterward, like at the end of summer, I was like, I am, I'm like 4% done oh my God. <laughs> with this game. And it, and not only that, but because I had no real programming experience, it, uh, it just kept running slower and slower and getting oh. more and more buggy. Cause I didn't know how to optimize things or watch for memory leaks and stuff like that. So, uh, it was, it's my favorite game because I love the, the vision behind it. And the sort of general, you know, characters and story that was that I was trying to tell, uh, but also because it was such an excellent learning experience of how not to do basically everything when it comes to making a game. So nice. maybe maybe parts of that will creep into like parts of that idea or, or that story will creep into some of the stuff we do in the future. Uh, rocket boots, yes. Rocket accessories in general. Yeah. Rocket I anything would like to be. Yeah. A- I would like to support. <laughs> yeah. big, big supporter of rockets. Yeah. Well, well, rockets and accessorizing. Yeah. <laughs> Those are both two really important things. I would say my uh, my personal favorite game I made myself was probably the Sheer sheer Madness, I think it was called. It's basically the predecessor <laughs> to uh, to the Shep Hard, Shep Hard yeah. game <laughs> that Seth and I ended up making for the Indie Speed Run. Um, but I think I think what was happening, and this kind of speaks to Carol's thing about having a, a point for creative expression. Uh, I was it was senior year of school, and I just felt kind of you know I hadn't like done anything of any import ever because I was in school, mm. and um, one and I hadn't made a game in a long time. And so one weekend I was like, Seth, if I if I make a game on Friday, can you? Like provide support to kind of get me back on because I've made it a long time. So if I you know, can't figure out how particle systems work, can I just call you or whatever? So it's like, yeah, sure. <clears throat> and so, and I think it just took me like five hours, I think. It was basically an afternoon project. And it was just one screen and there's this big uh, wool factory machine in the middle. And there's all these sheep who have been genetically modified so that they grow wool so fast that if you don't get it off of them, once it pops up, then they will explode from from heat. So <laughs> so they start like vibrating after a brief time. Um, and then my favorite part was I got a I got a pregnancy mechanic in there. What? 
So when they cross each other, if they bump into each other, there's a chance, there's like a 30% chance that one of them will get pregnant. Oh my God. Isn't it possible that they both get pregnant? It is also possible. (laughs) I didn't get that logic. Yeah. So So they're like gastropods. Yeah. 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 So they'll bump into each other and then you can tell if they're pregnant, if their wool turns uh, pink when they, when they, when it pops up. And so classic sheep, if you just let the sim basically run for a little bit, um, it actually takes a surprisingly long time before the whole flock will just explode, uh, be completely dead because they're able to mate. Um, and the babies are, you know, the babies are born and I think they, I think they slowly grow up before they pop wool and stuff like that. So, uh, I didn't, I never got chain reaction. That was the next piece I was trying to do was chain reaction explosions or like heat, adding extra heat to the other sheep if one of your sheep explodes near it. Um, but that was really, that was, that was one of those things where I just needed, you know, some days you just kind of need like a quick win, I guess, mm-hmm. in a sense, like a creative quick win. And yeah. uh, there were a bunch of things I could have, when they blinked, the, the bodies just disappeared and I still couldn't figure out why that was happening, but I was like, oh whatever, fuck it. Um, and it just kind of, it turned into this, it was just a little... You, know, you could play it maybe for like three minutes before you're like, okay, I'm done. But um, but I love that thing. So yeah. fun. Oh, but by the way, before I get a bunch of uh, upset people that I did a Kickstarter and then never finished the project, I did sc- scrimp and save money for several years to uh, to offer refunds to Aww. everybody who backed the project. So I did do that. I didn't like just take the money and run. So just, uh, you know. Just shut up. Just shut your mouth. You maniacs. Yeah. Also, like people who back Kickstarter shouldn't expect every single project to be finished because most people who run Kickstarter campaigns are doing it for their first time and need the help regardless of whether or not they're capable of finishing it. So isn't the success rate 30 percent for finished projects? I so, don't that know seems the statistics, high. but there's been a big conversation about this in the indie games community, actually, just because a lot of people are really angry about Kickstarter. And it's just one of those things where, like, literally it says risks um, like there's like the, the possible risks, potential risks thing at the bottom that it forces you to fill out as the creator. And that's supposed to tell people like, you know, there's the possibility that this won't get fulfilled. And so you're really just pledging your money to help the creator throughout this. And they, in return, if they can finish the project, give you this in reward. So... Yeah, I think what well, what was interesting about my situation was I I emailed everybody who backed the project and told them that I had I had you know saved up the money to do this refund thing, and I you know I apologized for not finishing it, but I just want to let them know that that dis- despite that like the fact that they helped me out at the beginning like that was what got me to where I am. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that was my, that was my first game project, and it was still you know I still got a, a lot out of it and everything, and um well it and ac- potentially and actually, changed your life. It did actually, yeah. and and only I think uh, like five percent of my backers took me up on the on the offer. Oh wow! Um, which I thought was really interesting. Well, especially because one so, of them was for like five bucks. Yeah, I actually, that. yeah. The the only people who who took me up on the refund offer were people who pl- pledged under ten dollars. Yeah, huh. uh, which <laughs> that was it. Also, kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I think when you pledge when you back a Kickstarter though you you should try to get an understanding of who it is that's running the thing. Oh yeah. Because uh, if if it is somebody, it's like there was the the infamous you know Neil Stevenson sword fighting game Kickstarter where he raised a million and a half dollars as an author to mm-hmm. develop a game and he had never made a game, never coordinated a team like that. His expertise was in uh, writing books, you know, and it didn't pan out. The project just completely collapsed after six months, and you know that's when you put your money into something like that where somebody doesn't have a, tr- a track record at all in and that don't area. know how to scope it and yeah i mean it's a risk yeah so you just gotta 
You just got to know that going in. Hedge your bets. Yeah. yeah well, you, I mean, you should never consider Kickstarter as you buying a thing, even if it, right. I think that's one of the problems with the tiers and stuff is that the rewards are, are often you getting a thing, you know, or, or buying the product or whatever. And it sort of implies that you have bought a thing, that that's what the transaction is when yeah. that's really not it. It's, it's you, it's you investing in a thing, right? Yeah. And well, not even investment. investing because you don't necessarily get anything in return. You're, you're donating. Just, you're no, but you do though, to, Yeah, right? you're donating. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a it's a, it's a weird combo of a donation and an investment because mm-hmm. investment also always carries with a risk. Where yeah, an investment you're basically buying a fraction of a thing, and then if it pans out, you get some benefit, and if it doesn't, then you just lose that money. Yeah. And <laughs> It's yep. the same thing with Kickstarter, except that uh, it's, I mean, you're right, it's, it's better yet to treat it as a donation, but you can't when there are rewards involved, you know? Like, it doesn't, uh, people aren't normally able to like do that. It doesn't yeah, feel like a donation. Yeah, it's incentivizing the donations. Yeah. Yeah. Like public radio with yeah, the like, tote bags. Yeah, except with that, you <laughs> definitely get the you know, tote bag. Yeah, right? you know that Yeah, because they're an established bag. institution, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's all we got for today. Cool. Again. Heavy combos. <laughs> This I gotta say, this podcast, yesterday's. this podcast is gonna sound so much better than yesterday's. But yesterday's was easily the best podcast of all ever, time ever oh, yeah. made. We even, even talked us. about hashtag old people words. We didn't talk about hashtag old people yeah, words. Yeah, that's true. This is just no a one tribute. will ever know. No one will ever know. This is just a tribute. <laughs> Got the best to podcast believe it. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up for today. Thanks for listening to Coffee with Butterscotch. Sorry it took us so long to get back after three weeks. But we're back now. We'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.